Hey guys, welcome back. BGC Gare here. We're back with season 9, episode 29 of our weekly Q&A video slash air quotes, podcast. Air, air quotes. quotes videos, yeah. Air quotes videos, air quotes weekly, air quotes podcast. So you can access this both on YouTube, where statistically you are right now, or on most major podcasting platforms by checking out the link in the description, or by uh, looking up BDC Care Gaming on mm whatever podcatcher app you have, or using that RSS feed that we have in the description. You can manually enter it into some places. I know my uh, podcast app of choice uh, made me manually enter us in the RSS feed, right. uh, because we're not we're not cool enough uh, to be in the search list. Right. But anyways, this is also recorded in the past, so if there's any big news events that we are conspicuously not mentioning... That is why they haven't happened yet where we are. Yeah, it's not that we're ignoring them, because you know us. We are happy to spout off about what's going on when it's something that we have a, a clear, in, or what we think might be an interesting opinion about it. Yeah, and I have uh, another game to talk about this week. We talked mm -hmm. about a game last week. This game is not the same kind of recommendation where I think, you know, anybody can just go out and play it because it, it costs money. It's very different from the kind of thing Injustice is, but I think it's a really, really good game and it's definitely worth your time. And so I'm going to try to pitch it to you, uh, the, the listening audience right now. Mm. And if it sounds like something interesting to you, I would either pick it up now or wait till it goes on sale or find some way to experience it because I think it really is right. cool. And so it's a game called Adios. And I'm going to start out by reading the sort of description on their website, because I think mm -hmm. it does a good job of prefacing what it is and maybe puts it into words better than I necessarily could. So it says, Adios is a cinematic first-person game about sticking to a complicated decision. You're a pig farmer in Kansas. It's October. Cold, crisp mornings are the norm, and you have decided that you're no longer okay with letting the mob use your pigs to dispose of bodies. When your old friend, a hitman, arrives with his assistant to deliver another body, you finally screw up the courage to tell them that you're done. Your friend doesn't want you to stop. He knows that there's no such thing as quitting, so he'll try to convince you that you're making a mistake. You spend the day together, doing chores and exploring the nooks and crannies of an authentic environment in the American Midwest, alongside the man who will be forced to kill you if he can't convince you to stay. How you respond will determine the rest of your life. Adios means goodbye. Mm -hmm. So it's cool, and you can tell from the writing... I think that gives a good sense of the tone mm -hmm. and what you're in for. And it does a lot of stuff that I haven't seen video games do very much, if at all. Right. And it does a lot of stuff really well. So it's short. It's um, only about an hour. It is pretty emotionally affecting. It's, it's intense, as you can tell from mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. But it's not uh, super emotional in like a really sort of high-octane, high-drama way. It is sort of a slow burn that takes place over the course of not very long at all, right. uh, which is good in and of itself. But a lot of what it does is uh, it was made by a very small team. It was very, you know, small budget as far as video game things go. But it has used its resources incredibly strategically and really effectively. So it has, like, some of the best voice acting I've ever seen in a video game. Mm. Just in terms of, like... The characters, so... Um, That's a pretty big endorsement. It is, because I played it with a small group of friends. I uh, was sort of in the driver's seat playing it. And what does I, that mean? Uh, 
like I was the person actually playing it and then I was oh, streaming were... it to another ah, friend. Got it. Okay. And it's, so it's about the American Midwest. One of the people was from the American Midwest and they were like, this is the voice acting is stellar. It's incredible. I feel like I've heard these people talk like it, it did a really good job of not just being, you know, good performances, but it was, it was really immersive in that way. Right. And it, it, it has a really unique feel art style aesthetic and it tells a cool story uh, that uses a lot of downtime and sort of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm going to sort of bring in an example. I play D and D with my friends sometimes right. uh, off and on. And you know, the stuff, my favorite thing about D and D is always that you, it's not like a video game uh, where you have these really sort of uh, complex mechanics and a lot of stuff going on behind the hood mm-hmm. to make things inherently fun. Uh, the the actual like fighting and the stuff that you do in D and D is pretty involved and pretty sort of in the weeds. But what makes it really engaging is that it's really sort of responsive to you, and the you can sort of make a collaborative story with you and the DM. And right. what I like about it is that in a way that I don't see a lot from video games, there's a lot of details that don't necessarily feel like, you know, you can have a conversation with a person or do a thing in the world that doesn't feel like it's just for the story. Mm. It feels like the world is a thing that exists. And if you have a good DM uh, that can bounce off you well, you can build up what feels like a really sort of rich world. Right. Um, So not everything is Chekhov's gun where if it shows up, it has to do something. And you're not on rails where it's defined where you're going to end up. And you've got this little bit of wiggle room to maybe wander around a bit before you get there. Yeah, so you get to spend time in a space and inhabit it in what feels like a really holistic way. And, you know, I just said that these things aren't how video games are. But the way that the conversations work in this stuff, it can, it's still, it is on rails, right? Mm -hmm. You're having these conversations, everything's, you know, voice acted, right? right? It's not like... It's an hour-long game. It's not like it's the, you know, like a Your Choices Matter, Life is Strange, like Branching Paths game. But they managed to give me that same feeling of inhabiting a space and being around people and the world not just existing for the plot exclusively, but Mm -hmm. what's happening being a part of sort of a larger thing. And that is very, very challenging to do in a video game. I don't know if I've ever had that exact feeling in a video game before. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was really sort of impressive to me. And, you know, the, the group that I played it with, we often riff on stuff. We joke around a lot. Mm. Uh, we've played the, um, oh, the Dark Pictures anthology. We played a couple of those games, which are meant to be really sort of cinematic games where they're really high resolution. They get like actors to like voice act and they do like mm. motion capture and everything. And it's meant to, you know, look really, really sort of sleek and high budget and then they give you choices and a lot of times it's like that sort of high stakes drama stuff where the choices you make maybe determine who dies Mm -hmm. or you know if something really bad happens to someone and that is supposed to be sort of like a movie that you can play it's like a exclusively narrative experience Mm -hmm. and you know when we play those games we're like making fun of them we're joking around we're riffing and we're experiencing it sort of as like popcorn entertainment Right. And the story is fine, whatever, but the story is really just a framework for us to sort of hang out and have fun. Right. And like, we won't even know what's going on sometimes. 
Like I'll be half paying attention, but I'll care more about what the other people are saying. So this is the group I'm playing with. We get a little rowdy when we're doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like dead silent for like most of this game. We're like talking back and forth. We paused every once in a while. When, whenever we're talking, the, the difference is that we would pause so we could say, oh, this is what's happening right now. So and we'd, you wouldn't want to interrupt it. Like you wouldn't want to yeah. interrupt a movie. Yeah. We, okay. we, but even if we're watching a movie, unless it was a movie that we thought was going to be really, really stellar, we would just interrupt the movie. Right. We, we were treating it with more deference than most right. movies that right. we've watched as a group. Um, and there was really long stretches of just like absolute silence and just like taking it in. So we. Silence from the conversation or silence from the game or both? Silence from, from the conversation. So you'd still have this stuff happening in the game? Yeah, like the stuff was go- happening in the right, game. Right, right. So we, like, it, it pulled our attention right. in a way that, uh, we've done this before, but it pulled our attention in a way that a game hasn't before. Right. So. I don't really want to spoil or spoil any of it. Uh, you've sort of heard the description. Uh, the other thing that I'll sort of do as a more broad recommendation, and if you're listening to this point and you haven't skipped, I've got good news. Um, we're giving away a copy of the game. So you can, if you're interested, I, I'm not going to do any sort of draw or anything. If you're hearing about it now and you want it, I'm assuming that you're somebody who likes us and somebody who's finding this conversation at least a little interesting. Uh, the mm-hmm. first person to email us at bdckr at hotmail.com, uh, we'll send the game to one copy mm-hmm. of the game and then, uh, check the description if you're at this point in the video and you still want it because the first time somebody claims it, we'll update the description to reflect that. Right. And I'm hoping the numbers of, the viewers on the video are low enough like usual that it'll be easy to change it quickly when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I gl- so. I, in a lot of ways, I'm glad we have a smaller channel now than we did before. Yeah. And yeah. I also like, there's some people who are really nice when we've done giveaways in the past, especially right. when we've done like activities that people had to do. Right. They participated in the activity. <laughs> and then when we said, Hey, do you want like the game? Uh, some people are like, Oh yeah, I'd love it. And then some people are like, ah, no, I just kind of wanted to like, to do this to, thing. Yeah. Uh, you can give it to the next person. And then we've been able to sort of uh, make sure that the, somebody who really wants it gets it. But I, I also, I'm not saying this to, you know, gatekeep you. If you're listening to this right now and you want it, I want you to go, oh, well, do I really need it? I'll send it to the next person. It's a really cool experience. I think yeah. it's well worth playing. <laughs> if this sounds interesting to you and the description says it's still available, I think you should go ahead and grab it. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a really cool, really affecting, really sort of personal story and it it does that thing like it's it's not just plot only and the i i follow the developer on twitter this guy that named doc burford and i have like he does video essays i've played this and another game that he's done writing for hard space shipbreaker uh and i've really enjoyed the writing on both of them Mm -hmm. and i really like his video essay so i mean even if the game sounds interesting, but you don't necessarily want it. He has a really good writing style. If you look up Doc Burford on Medium, you can read some of his... Can you maybe spell that out for everybody? So yeah, that, that makes sense. Doc Burford. So D-O-C uh, space B-U-R-F-O-R-D. Doc Burford. Right. Uh, on Medium, he's got some really interesting sort of writing on game stuff there too. And if you like any of our really sort of armchair expert backseat driver discussion of game design and w- what we like about it... He has a lot of discussion of game design that comes from the place of being an actual designer and right. isn't just sort of us making stuff up. Yeah. So nothing wrong with making stuff up, but yeah, doesn't really have a lot of authority behind it. Uh, he he has some stuff that seems like it would be better advice if you actually wanted to design games right. yourself, or uh, some really insightful stuff that would help you think differently. Right. Uh, 
even if you don't necessarily agree with all of his opinions, he always has a really sort of interesting thing to say. Right. Uh, so yeah, but Adios is a really solid game. And I think I've, pl- I've had the privilege. There's a lot of games that I've liked and I've talked about a lot of them. Things like Her Story, mm. right? Oh, I like that the, Those sort of experiential games where they do a really good job doing the thing that they're trying to do. Yeah. And they feel like they, they give me a better appreciation for what games can the potential be used as yeah how how games as a vehicle can right be really cool and stand like on their own as really interesting and valuable pieces of media uh and i played adios a couple weeks ago i think i mentioned it when i first got it on the podcast and that i would come back to it and it's been kicking around in my head since then and so i know it's going to be one of those games that sort of worms its way into into my head a little bit and that I'm going to be thinking about for a long time after right. I played it. And I think for the type of game it is, that's probably the biggest compliment I can give it. Is that it's one of those games, it's not very long. It's like, I, like I said, like I think it's like an hour, hour and a half, two hours, something like that. But it's one of those games that is a takes up a lot more sort of space and a lot more of my time than just the time I've spent, right. you know, at a keyboard playing it. Yeah. 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 So there we go. It's interesting some of the things you mentioned, because as soon as you talked about it, it made me think of comic books. When you talked about, you're sort of hinting at the the legitimacy of it, how people are, from on the basis of something like that, are maybe influenced to take it a little bit more seriously mm-hmm. as a medium, as opposed to something, because comic books got that a lot. Actually, you know what? If you go far back enough, fantasy got that a lot mm. where it was treated as just escapist and oh man now it's so here's the thing you start talking about um a personal story being so much it felt like a personal story and it would draw you in and i feel like that's a kind of story that i really enjoy mm-hmm. and it was making me think of verse Le Guin, where the argue i've heard lots of arguments for being pro-choice pro-abortion mm-hmm. and i obviously don't read widely enough but there's an essay in her book Words are my matter, where she talked about her own personal experience with abortion. And that was just so much more meaningful to me. And it really hit me in a way that other arguments for it had not. Mm-hmm. And I, I find myself coming back to it every once in a while. So there's just so much history of gatekeeping, which you mentioned before about how, and not gatekeeping as in this particular fandom gatekeeping, but the kind of gatekeeping where we're talking about legitimacy and being taken seriously and having serious criticism, not like criticism in a bad way, but serious criticism where you look at it and break it down and say, what is this medium really saying? What is it doing well? How is it getting the effect that it wants? Why this is so amazing? Like that kind of mm-hmm. criticism, right? And it's it feels very much like gaming is, is finding the way you're describing it. I don't know, because I don't have a lot of first person sort of direct experience with Mm -hmm. it it feels like what you're talking about is gaming is having that kind of not i don't want to say there's a i that kind of revelation among people who sort of think seriously about stuff like people in academia who are maybe potentially taking it more seriously and that made me think of scintillation Mm. where there was actually a panel which was one of the first panels i'd seen about storytelling in gaming it's just weird. Like, I, I don't know that I have anything coherent because I think maybe it would be better if I came back to this afterwards. But sometimes, you know, when we're just having conversation. Yeah. These things just hit me in a funny way. And maybe when you're when you're away, 
and we can't do one of these conversations yeah. for a Q&A. Maybe I, I, part of me wants to read that essay from Ursula Guin about uh, abortion, just as an excerpt from her book of essays to share with people to maybe give them that little bit of personal kind of connection to a story. Okay, maybe. Yeah, um, one of the other things that is interesting is that, uh, see, this is all sort of related to what we're talking about because uh, one of Doc Burford's <laughs> essays is actually on prestige games. I don't know if you know what prestige games are. No. Uh, they are a certain type of high-budget, AAA cinematic games. Uh, Naughty Dogs games okay. are one common example. You'll know The Last of Us was the yes. big zombie game that they did. Yeah, yeah. And they also did um, Uncharted okay. and stuff like that. And I've so heard of them. I saw their ads. Yeah, so there have been prestige games. And the way that they play is they have a lot of cinematic set pieces. Mm. They have um, a lot of sort of the same trappings of movies or tv shows right and they have you know they're they're at their core meant to tell a story uh but the gameplay sort of supposed to complement that and right. what's interesting is that doc burford has an essay where he talks about why he thinks they're bad why they're all oh. kind of crappy and how it's you know people trying to make the I, I don't want to take his sort of words and twist them at all. So assume that everything I'm saying is only <laughs> half remembered and half true, right. unless you read the article uh, yourself and don't take any of this as his, you know, uh, unfiltered opinion. Right. Uh, but that they are like aping art and sort of missing what makes it good art and mm. taking sort of like the big moments that people remember and whatever and remixing them and that they're not super creative and they're a little derivative and they're not right. like they don't really work that great as games they don't really work that great as media right that right. they're they're poor facsimiles and right. so i think it's interesting because i don't know what point we are in the like games as art sort of debate i think right. i don't see that as being as important a conversation anymore i feel like games have become so ubiquitous um right. that it just <laughs> in my head uh, i think maybe it's different if you're like somebody creating games or an artist who's looking for sort of your your fair recommend uh your fair recognition and treatment right uh, as like a creative person right. uh but as like a player video games are so ubiquitous now and there are so many experiences that i think people who look down on games and go these suck. They're not like, you know, X piece of media that I like haven't maybe just put in the legwork or made any effort to find games that they would like or games that are more like that stuff. I think it's, it's such a big sort of thing. There's so much, it's such a big pond now, right? It's closer mm. to, it, it's a delivery mechanism more than it is anything, uh, descriptive about what you're about to experience. There's a lot of games right. that, you know, don't need to be games that are pieces of interactive fiction that work better because okay. they're games, but would work, you know, well on their own. There's a bunch of games that are really like only meant to be games and not right. meant to be experienced in any other way. I'm thinking about like little sort of like puzzle stuff like Candy Crush, right? right. Which exists sort of as like an interaction in its like purest form. Right. And then they've built like microtransactions on top of it too. Uh, yeah. Oh, again, so now I've got all these ideas jumping around my head. The way you're talking about that makes makes me 
think of another Essie Le Guin wrote from her Language of the Night collection, and I can't even remember whether it's called Why Americans Are Afraid of Dragons or Why Are Americans Afraid of Dragons. Mm. But it talks a lot about those same ideas where fantasy was looked down upon, it was rejected, and it ties into those ideas where, and maybe this is apocryphal, how Margaret Atwood, like, at one point, like to say she wasn't, was not a science fiction writer, mm. even though she was, because of the kind of way people would look down on it. And clearly, Margaret Atwood has made, has had quite a bit of success, actually, with yeah. a really popular science fiction novel. Handmaid's Tale. Right. That's been made into a popular TV show. And I think there's that, that desire, not just for success, but for the recognition that comes with reaching an audience that's maybe orders of magnitude bigger than what you would normally see. Yeah, and I think it's it's fair when people are talking about this stuff to not want to be treated as lesser simply for, like, the format that you've chosen. Right. Because it does feel like, um, when you look at, like, cultural conceptions of stuff, that people have this sort of in their head, like, ranking of stuff. Right. Right, where they're like, oh, well, if you're, like, a movie director versus, like, you know, like a TV director versus like a play director or whatever. Right. Uh, where there feels like there's this sort of inherent hierarchy where the only way to be sort of better than the medium is to be a huge breakout hit. Right. right? right. Where, you know, she wouldn't have gotten accolades as a science fiction author. So she, but, and she writes science fiction, but then Margaret Atwood became like sort of bigger than the, right. The, the thing that she was working in. The, the right. area that she was working right. in. So yeah, in terms of that, like I can't speak to the artist side, but to me, when I think about video games and I think about the way that people have really looked at like gamifying everything. Yeah. Right? Like game systems uh, as a thing, I think are pretty inescapable. I think right. they've been sort of, and you can argue whether this is a good thing or not. I think it, most of the times where they're in the real world being done by corporations to motivate uh, behavior that furthers corporate interests, it's a bad thing. Right. Uh, but I think you can't really avoid it anymore. And so I think that sort of conversation of our games art, maybe I'm just not in the same spaces anymore because I used to, I think, hear about it more and feel like I cared about it more. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, people out there in general shouldn't care about it anymore, but I just right. feel like, you know, there's... That conversation's happened already. Every And just... Everybody plays games and people get what they want to out of them. It right. feels so reductive and unnecessary. I think uh, a lot of games aren't okay. art. Yeah. Uh, they don't have to be. The same way a lot of books aren't art. The same way a lot of movies aren't art. Yeah. It's not defined by the medium. It's defined by the person who's creating it and making something interesting. Yeah. And a, a huge amount of games. Yeah. Uh, are, are, are a huge amount of art, just like anything else. I think that's a yeah. really good point is that like, it feels, Games are just such a broad thing now. Right. It's very reductive. And uh, one last sort of closing point on Edios, last thing okay. uh, that I think is really interesting about it uh, and that I've been thinking about because I've been watching a lot of shows like Barry and The Boys and, uh, you know, like Breaking Better Bad, Saul. Better Call Saul yeah. uh, that are sort of darker, more introspective, sort of character-driven shows that all in one sense or another deal with a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is really interesting about Adios 2, uh, just as a closing thought, is that it is a game that is about violence and sort of 
surrounded by violence, but it is not at all a violent game, which I think is really interesting. And I think... Now my curiosity is really piqued. Well, because, you know, it's about a hitman. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. the mob. And, and r- really, when you when you think about that, like, the whole sort of reason these characters are in this situation is violence, right? Right. And it's, it's sort of one of the core connective pieces, but it's, like, almost entirely, like, a non-violent game. Like, it's very, it's like... everything around it. Yeah. So the bones of it are violence, and now you're looking at the, the tissue, the tendons, the ligaments, the muscles, the fat, the skin, all that yeah. other stuff that's... Yeah. And whereas, you know, right. I think almost, like, most other games uh, are either about violence and just violent, and that is sort of what they are, or yeah. not about violence. And so it's a really right. interesting balance to have been struck, to have a game uh, that feels like it has so much to say about violence without right. being violent at all. Interesting. Uh, wow. Yeah, so it, it's a cool, it's a really cool That's game. That's a pretty n- nice endorsement. This is what I mean about criticism, though, right? Like, that thoughtful kind of analysis of what's happening that's the point where you really when when that starts happening is when you realize that maybe that it, it has finally achieved some legitimacy mm. and i don't know that it's even necessary but it feels like uh it becomes much harder to dismiss it yeah so anyways that's that's my pitch play adios yeah. or read his articles and then play adios because his articles are good Right. Or, uh, play Hard Spaceship Breaker. Okay. Uh, check him out. He's cool. Uh, okay. Support him monetarily if you like his stuff. Right. Is, is my pitch. Okay. And the, I, I have, I have no stake in it. I'm not benefiting from that in any way. I'm just saying it because I like his stuff. He seems right. like he's got good ideas. And I would rather he have the resources to continue putting creative stuff out into the right. world. So th- it is selfish in that sense and that I want to see what he comes up with next. Right. But there's right. no sort of, personal relationship or gain that i'm getting out of saying it here's my psa too right like a lot of creators are not rich even the successful ones there's a very small percentage that are hugely successful and where it doesn't matter but if you like a creator don't steal their stuff find a way to contribute to what they like or sorry contribute to what they do because a lot of writers are making a not great living at it and anything that takes if if you pirate a writer's book, mm-hmm. there's a good, ch- you're decreasing the chance that they're going to have the time or the resources to write the next one. And I, the one, it made me think of um, Bridge of Birds, Barry Huard, mm-hmm. where he had plans for having 10 of those books. And it's, I'm not saying that people stole his books, that's why he did it. It's because the publisher didn't support him after the third book did not think it was going to be successful and then stopped uh, buying his books. So he stopped and we never got any more than the first three, the master Lee and number 10 Ox books, Mm -hmm. which were great. Awesome books. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll even say something a little bit different. I think I'll disagree with you, which is you're saying don't steal, don't pirate. I think if you don't have the resources to support artists, uh, if you're at a point in your life where you don't have the extra funds, if you need them to live, right. whatever, uh, I can't speak on behalf of other people, right. but I've seen a lot of artists say it's okay. And I don't see it as a moral issue to like pirate somebody else's content. I, if you are supporting the artist, how That's you fair. can oh, yeah, yeah. within yeah. your means. That's fair. So I, I, I think if you have limited yeah. access to resources, yeah. I don't think that should disqualify you from 
having those sort of cool experiences right. with stuff. No, no, you're, um, you're absolutely right. In my mind, I, I was making that sort of qualifier, but I think the, the part that's the, the problematic is when you steal it and give it away to other people. You know what I mean? Like when you, it, it's one thing to download it. It's another thing to upload it for everybody else. I think it is yeah. not necessarily a bad thing to pirate or experience other people's stuff for free. Yeah. I think it is a good thing to support artists that yes. you like as much as you yeah. can yeah. or as much as like makes sense to you. So right. without making anybody feel bad for not supporting people, that's if you're fair. in a position to support people, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That's, that's how I'm going to say it. Uh, and this is funny because you said this, um, Doc in his articles has a little sort of disclaimer because um, he offers all of his stuff for, for free on Medium. And then he has a little sort of thing where he says, hey, you can like pay me if you want. And so if, if you're okay with it, I'll actually like to read it right now because I think okay. it, this stuff well, is all... save continued. a little bit of time for a question, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll save. So he says, uh, if you think my work has value and you want to help me out financially, that would be great because being disabled in America is expensive. I'm putting all this out there for free because, hey, I used to be in poverty and couldn't get by without government assistance. I know what it's like not to have resources available to you that other people have in spades. I don't believe that people should be denied access to educational materials like these just because they're poor. My hope is that um, those of you who are able to support me are willing to help not just me, but the people who can't afford a lot of access to other game design materials. If you're able to help and you think this goal of providing access to people who need it is good, here's how you can help keep me writing. And then he has oh. a link to all of his stuff. So it's, it, this has been a funny conversation where it feels like you say something that makes me think of something, I say something that makes you think of and it's really like and making a lot of connections. Yeah, and we keep bouncing between yeah. the sources of Doc Burford and Ursula Le Guin. That's really, yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Uh, that I thought was exceptionally relevant. Yeah, you know, uh, perfect. That's perfect. So I don't, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the guy, but if you read that, I, I think I, I get the feeling that if somebody's like, I don't have enough money to play this game, he wouldn't hate it if you like pirated it and then bought it later. Or different game later when or whatever. He, when the yeah. next thing he made. Yeah. Um, again, I, that's not actually his opinion. I'm just saying, you know, I read something right. like that. And right. I don't know. It, it, it okay. feels like we're, people are on the same page. Right. So yeah, let's let's do uh, a, question. a question about injustice. I mean, technically, that was all about gaming, so it's not totally unrelated. Yeah, but we'll we'll do a little bit of content for for you folks. We got one question. I think this is a nice involved question. Yeah. So Corin Com, a regular commenter, yes. uh, friend of the show, says, "I heard someone say that Earth Two Flash, Earth Two Grundy, and Prime Killer Frost is a good team when you use Flash as the main damage dealer. Do you think that would be an efficient team?" Also, if you had to gear Flashpoint Batman and Aquaman without using multiplayer gears, how would you do it? Aquaman is only Elite 1, while Batman is Elite 5. Just wondering, because I've been using them, plus Suicide Squad Deadshot, uh, Elite 4, and they've rarely lost a fight, but I wanted a little help with the gears. Mm. I've been gearing Batman with a LexCore chest armor for the 70% crit, Promethium Longsword, and Gauntlets of Azrael. Uh, Deathstroke has LexCore Gauntlets, uh, V2, League of Assassin's Knives, and Flash's signature gears for getting the most damage on Special 1. Uh, and Aquaman has League of Assassin's Blade, LexCore Helmet V2, and uh, Fourth World Chess Beast. I only use Deathstroke after Batman and use Aquaman for a little damage over time, and it works great, but was wondering how you would do it. The only survivor gear I don't have is the uh, Fourth World Helmet. Sorry, there's a million uh, acronyms here. Right. And they're not automatic in my head, so every time I get to them, I feel mm -hmm. like I'm reading something in a le in a second language. You're, yeah, you're um, translating it in your head before yeah. you say anything. And I have all the non-multiplayer gears, quite a few maxed out. Also, all the gears on the team listed above are maxed out. Right. 
Right. So there we go. This is a question. It's not fresh, but this is I what you said, I think it's meaty. There's there's a lot yeah. here to sort of think so teeth into. Here's the other thing too, that I had some ideas when I first pulled this question. We pulled this like weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I've got some more ideas as I'm reading it with fresh eyes. And I want to point out, because I, I, there's a different way that I want to approach the question. So the first part is Earth to Flash, Earth to Grundy, Prime Killer Frost. Without any other information, I'm going to take it as a given that they're all about an equivalent kind of level. So when you're talking about, one thing that I think people forget is that Tantu Totem Master's Death Cart changed the landscape completely for the game. There is something that is unbalancing about making the most powerful damage output in the game more accessible. And when you make it that much more that it becomes the most important part of the game, if you want to finish it quickly, all the advice that people are given, given, giving and given now have the unspoken undercurrent of you can generate power fast. You can regenerate power fast. You can totally annihilate the other team with one character on your team. And that the defense needs to, if you're going to fight against that, you need to account for it. So if you don't have Tantu Totem Master's Death Card, then it, it the game no longer focuses on specials, even though specials do the most damage, because you will have too much trouble getting power. So Earth 2 Flasher 2 Grundy Prime Killer Frost, is that a good team? Yeah. Is it an efficient team? Given that you don't have Master's Death Card and Tantrum, because if it's if you if you do, it's not efficient. The efficient team always has a special specialist. So Killer Frost and Earth 2 Grundy is a great team combination because they will f- stop the opponent from generating power. Mm-hmm literally stop them in their tracks. So that's great for your defense. That's not efficient. It's only efficient if you think about, well, will I lose less often? If you lose less often and that's an efficient fight, great. But your fights aren't going to be faster because you're, the focus of that team is to keep them from smacking you. Mm-hmm. Earth 2 Flash is great. And if you... Use him as the, the focus of your team. Anyways, the focus to me is always the main damage dealer. The one responsible for the most damage output. Then, yeah, Earth 2 Flash, basic damage dealer, excellent flashes in general are. And I don't see any problem with that, but it's not the most efficient if you've got Tantu Totem Master's Death Card. It's a different world. Mm-hmm. Which it, it leads into the next part where, okay, so Flashpoint Batman is Elite 5. Deathstroke is Elite 4, and Aquaman is Elite 1. So it's slightly unbalanced. Aquaman is not going to have a huge amount of damage output unless you make him your um, damage over time specialist. Mm-hmm. But if you're missing those power generating gears, your absolute 100% focus should be on basic damage. So there's a plenty of really good 3.5-star gears that boost both basic damage and crit chance. And depending on how much augmentation you have, then you need to focus more or less on the crit chance. But then you've got other options that will boost basic damage that have other secondary effects instead of boosting crit chance. And you might want to take advantage of those, like um, the the Hawk, Hawk Girls, the Morningstar, where you can stun on special one. Or the 
mutant bone spikes or the the knife collection that will give you healing on special one because you don't need if, if you've already got crit chance like 90 percent 90 plus uh, it's a waste of a slot mm-hmm. to, to keep on doing that and you've got so many other options so the interesting thing are so deathstroke is close enough deathstroke's real power is his specials when he can do all that extra damage with his teammates coming in however he's also got a ridiculous combo ender Mm. so if he's got full flashpoint team and and teammates he's got an extra i don't know like five or six hits on his combo ender so you get the combo ender effects you get the power generation you can get all of that so when you gear him up with lexor gauntlets leave assassin's knives and the hyperspeed played suit that was Flash's signature gear. It's a special specialist focus. And, you know, maybe you will get some power. But if you're not bringing him first anyways, and you're, you're, you're not, you might actually get more out of gearing him with Promethean Longsword. Because, all right, so League of Assassin's Knights, the biggest thing it has going for it is not the special one boost. Although that's nice. It's the splash damage on special one, which nothing else has. And when you use de- the Flashpoint team with Deathstroke, and you have Tentu Totem, <coughs> excuse me, and Master's Death Card, it's important to get him in quick because then the splash damage affects more opponents. You're getting more value out of it. But if you're bringing him late, you don't need League of Assassin's Knives. If you're really going to be focusing on specials, yeah, it'll boost the special one, but maybe make him another basic damage dealer. Hmm. Give him Prometheum Longstar because he's got the extra uh, specific effect of unblockable chance. I think I can't remember what it is because it's been so long since I've used Deathstroke as a as a basic damage dealer as opposed to special specialist. And lean into that. Then you've got two monsters because both Batman and Deathstroke have the benefit of uh, Batman's passive of boosted crit damage. Mm. So you got two guys, Aquaman, I mean, he's interesting. He gives them a little bit of defense. Doesn't matter if he's low level or not, because his passive is still good for that. You could lean into doing damage over time because a lot of damage over time gears, the damage scales up to the opponent's health, not to, doesn't care what your health is. You could make him a tank. That works too, just to give people a breather and make him like a meat shield. Hmm. So that would mean giving a couple of fourth world gears so that he's got to revive so that let's say somebody comes in with three bars of power. You bring him in, let him get hit. Because I, I think based on the description, I'm, I'm guessing you don't have Astro Harness. Yeah. So I think that would be a good starting point. I think people forget that without Tantu Totem Master's Death Card, making a special focus team is not efficient. It's not great. Basic damage is where it at, it's at. And it was there for the longest time until the Tentu Totem came along. Mm. Now I'm looking at my notes. Yeah. And I think that's not really quite the same way I was thinking approaching the question initially when I saw it like weeks ago. Yeah. So I guess the the meta lesson here is that when we tell you something, uh, just in case, I mean I think we probably <laughs> stress that we don't know what we're talking about uh, more than just what we think enough. But uh, the the lesson there is that you know ask us on a different day we'll have different opinions we're yeah. we're no sort of expert and that there's a lot of different ways 
to sort of approach even just gearing a team in injustice, yeah. right? And like the way we think about stuff and that, you know, your ideas and stuff can develop. And so this sort of is what our broad recommendation often is for this stuff, which is think about it a little bit, do what makes sense for you, and then always be willing to sort of change your mind and shift it as the play reveals something a little different yeah. from the theory. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even what we're saying now, right. Uh, we have these ideas and we sort of have a good sense of how they usually play, but you really got to play it and see how it feels for you uh, and feel what those sort of weak points are. And it requires a little bit of sort of understanding of the game, a little bit of right. expertise with it to right. even be able to identify where your sort of pain points are and stuff. Yeah. But if you hit that sort of point, uh, which I think we're pretty well at for ourselves, at least, uh, that's when you start to be able to sort of say things confidently for yourself is like, I know that this is what's going to be the best for me. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Do you want to do any more? We're, we're all the way at 40 minutes or do yeah, we? No, I think that's it for today. Okay. Lots awesome. Of stuff I need to do. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much to all of you for watching. I'd like to give a shout out to Eliza touched grass. Katen. She do be going outside and all that. She do be um, going. <laughs> And this shout-out was brought to you by the World Outside Houses. Did you know that if you leave the place that you're in right now that's inside, that there's a place sort of around it called Outside, and there's a lot of stuff out there. They're pretty cool. You can you can check it out sometime. So this is Side. Bring where a we, trusted adult. Where we are is Side, and we're currently inside, and we could be Outside. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Uh, we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all the lovely folks who support us on Patreon. And that would be Bumble Ben, Console Peasant, and Ed Woon supporting us at the top tier, last word. Cinemac and Muhammad Al-Shady at the Your Message Here tier. Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, Brandon C., Irvin Ruiz, Eddie Du, and Hoshi127, who support us on the credited level. And Chris Wolf, Scarlet Danny, Awesome Gamer 2 for 1, Pavu RS, Gavin Lott, and Isra E. at the Gratitude level. Thank you. Uh, so much for your support, and we'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.